Hi, it's Dr. Ayomize here, and welcome to Master Plan Marriage, where we focus on the master and his plans for all marriages, mine and yours included. Welcome, welcome. Before we start, (laughs) um, before I give my topic for today, I just want to say, listener discretion advised. Not that this topic is unholy or unnatural. I just want you to be in control of when and with whom you want to have these conversations. So put on some headphones or go into a different room, get in the car or wait till nap time, whatever you have to do, but you've been warned. (laughs) Today's topic is sex, God's creation. Okay, so sadly, well-meaning Christians and the church and parents have made just the word sex to be such a dirty word, oftentimes in an attempt to dissuade the unmarried from engaging in something that is clearly intended for those who are married. Get it. But we do ourselves a disservice when we don't fully understand sex in all of its glory, the way the Lord would have it, right? I just think about so many conversations that I've had over the years about how um, growing up uh, we're taught, you know, sex is wrong, sex is bad, it's only for married folk, no details, no, no description, and then we learn from the world and what the world has to say about sex, and then the decision is made of who who will you believe or who will you follow, right? And then it's like, you know, don't have a boyfriend, don't have a girlfriend, and uh, especially in some cultures more than others, and then all of a sudden, you finish school what what your parents desire, right? Finish school, finish college, and then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, where's your where's your fiance when's the wedding date you know where's your husband and it's like um at one point it was completely banned and not even a topic of conversation and now all of a sudden we should be you know married and ready to go right and so many people talk about how difficult it is to make that transition of what was once taboo and and so bad for you and then all of a sudden it's you should just be free and willing and and ready to go and um there's a disconnect there's a disconnect and so the sad thing is that the lack of understanding the lack of conversations has allowed the devil to um pray you know to play and pray upon people to distort this truth about sex So it's important, we're talking about the master's plan for marriage, that we talk about sex. Last episode, we talked about intimacy, right, and the different types of intimacy. Because unfortunately, people think intimacy, it's automatically sex. But we talked about how there is the physical intimacy that is not just sex, but physical touch, hugging, kissing. And we talked about uh, spiritual intimacy. And we talked about the mental and emotional intimacy right and so like I said in that last episode we would go into greater detail about physical intimacy but mainly sex in this next episode because it deserves its own time (laughs) and it deserves um, uh, us digging deep 
and seeing what the Lord has to say. You know, y'all, you know, I'm always about what does God have to say? And he says a lot. So let's get let's get into it. Uh, first, you know, I like to always start with what the world has to say and um, and how it corrupts every good thing that comes from above and we shouldn't be surprised by that and we'll talk about that and we'll talk about how God defines sex and what his word has to say and then you know as always what what will you do with this information what will I do with this information okay so in terms of the world I mean you do a definition I always what google google define such and such right and so you go and you define sex and it's boring. It's a sexual activity, including specifically sexual intercourse, period, right? And so there are no limits. There are no boundaries. There's no explanation. It is what it is. And so it gives room for world culture, culture that is ever-changing, to define the limits and the boundaries of sex. And so for as long as I've been alive, you know, you hear so much of these that I'm going to go into. Um, and so the culture really hasn't changed much. It might have gotten worse, if you will, in terms of what comes under the category of sex. And so anyway, you hear you don't have to be married to have sex. Premarital sex is perfectly acceptable. In fact, if you are against that, you are too holy <laughs> holier than thou right you called all kinds of names and whatnot um sex is 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 used as a way to demonstrate uh, quote unquote deeper love for someone right like but we love each other and that's why um sex is engaged in you often hear about sex being a way to determine compatibility you know, we need to know if we are meant for one another. We might love each other. We might be excited to spend uh, the rest of our lives with each other. But if the sex isn't good, then, you know, we can't get married. And so we need to make sure that that's on par before saying I do, right? So uh, a way of determining compatibility. That's what sex is used for. And then simply put, it's a recreational activity. It's just something people do. And in fact, it's some people something young people do. And in fact, if you want to be good, you should start early. I mean, <laughs> that, that's what it is, you know, or if you want to be popular, if you want to be well liked, that's what you do. Um, and so that's what the world has limited sex to, really. Um, and then that I didn't even get into and I'm not going to go into much detail, but now you know who you have sex with I mean that's open <laughs> that's wide open who or what you have sex with is wide open um, and it really becomes just about self-seeking pleasure I mean you know it's all about how you feel and what you want and what you like and it can change from day to day and who with can change or what with could change day to day and basically because there are no limits or boundaries um, it's been just made wider and wider open this definition of sex and like I said earlier the Satan Satan is having a um, a play day with this he's having a moment here um, and he is running with it running wild with it and distorting the truth because at the end of the day anything 
that God holds, upholds, um, the devil wants to bring crashing down um, because of his pure hate for all that is of God. And so we have to, it's important that we recognize that he's always on the attack. Satan, the enemy, the devil, the serpent, he's always on the attack and he has no mercy, (laughs) simply put. And so he is always working to destroy marriage. And so we need to recognize those tactics all the more, right? And so I love um, Focus on the Family, great program organization they talk about um talk about this and I'm just gonna quote them because I, I just like the way that they put it it says Satan fights hard to pervert and distort rightly ordered human sexuality holy matrimony the family and fatherhood in particular and this should show us just how incredibly important it is to God's plan and the expression of his glory sex that is right how important it is to God's plan and the expression of his glory that Satan is going so hard to pervert it to distort it and how it affects so many different categories right and then in addition the article I had mentioned in our last episode from bible.org by Mr. Gregory Brown we were talking about different types of intimacy Um, I love how he talks about Satan's tactics, right? And so just think about it. Like, how tempted the unmarried couple is towards premarital sex. Like, Satan goes at them, right? It just seems like that, that temptation is so heavy, generally speaking, of course, right? And, you know, it's like this thing to constantly fight prior to marriage, But then all of a sudden, there's a flip, there's a switch. I mean, maybe not in the first few years of marriage or the first year, but there's a flip of the switch where Satan now tempts the married couples to not have sex. (laughs) Um, The article says the passion amongst unmarried folk can be so hard to contain. But then sometime after marriage, sexual intimacy tends to become dry and stagnant. And why? You know, because there's that temptation to not have sex because Satan wants to hinder a married couple's intimacy through a lack of sex. Why? What does that do? The lack of sex, what was what was supposed to be a joining, right? What was supposed to be a a opportunity for the two to join in an intimate way. Satan is using that, using the lack of intimacy, the lack of sex, because he knows that that's going to lead to frustration. That's going to lead to mistrust, wandering wandering eyes, I should say, stress, division, and ultimately self-destruction. And, you know, Satan is all for that. You destroy yourself and I'm going to help you. (laughs) I'm going to help you do the very opposite of what God wants from you. And so it's just so interesting because we can see it clear as day how different sex is viewed um, for unmarried folk, um, unmarried couples and how that, that temptation is so strong. And then all of a sudden, married folk have the complete opposite issue, again, generally speaking. Um, and 
you know, people have said that society, and it's true, society is paying the price for this promiscuity. Um, uh, and we can see it because there's unpre- <laughs> we can see it by the unprecedented marital turmoil, right? And the innumerable broken homes with all the emotional trauma they bring. Um, that actually came from a, a, a commentator on um, one of the articles that I was reading. I just liked how they said that. Like, our society is paying the price for pr- promiscuity by unprecedented marital turmoil and innumerable broken homes with all the emotional trauma they bring. Like, you can see Satan's work at hand. You can see what happens when we're in a society that wants to... Um, l- place no limits or boundaries, um, uh, wrongfully define sex and make it wide open. And this is what happens. This is the results. So we need to be aware, aware of what culture is saying, aware of the world, aware of Satan's tactics and um, so that we can be better equipped, right? And then not just aware of what is going on there, but more importantly, aware of what God has to say. And so I'm ready to jump in, dive in. How does God define sex? What does his word have to say? Listen, (laughs) there's a lot going on. So before I go, right before I go into uh, exact scriptures, I just wanted to share this because again, another thing that I found, and I'm not one to recreate the wheel. So if I find a good quote, I'm going to share it with you guys. And of course, I'll put it in the um, episode details after so you can go and look at it on your own. Pastor Paul Carter of the Gospel Coalition, he provides the following definition. He says, sex in the Bible is first and foremost about intimate friendship. It is about cleaving to your God-given other. It is about becoming one flesh. This Hebrew term implies more than, but not less than, physical union. It means almost becoming one person. Sex is about pursuing physical, emotional, sexual, and ontological union. It's about submission, exploration, discovery, and delight. So I thought that was well said. Okay, so now let's go into the Bible and see what God has to say. One, (laughs) sex is very good. (laughs) That's what God says. Sex is very good. And how do we see that? Well, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 to 25, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. All right? So before... Before the fall, before sin, sex was part of the created order, right? And if you think about all the days of creation, what did God say? You know, that he created the sun and it was good. He created the the animals and it was good. Everything he created, it was good. When he created man, it was very good, okay? And so he created man and woman and they were both naked and not ashamed. They, um, in obviously becoming one uh, one flesh that we talked about that last week the intimacy that is involved in that so part of that was a physical coming together and so they were having sex okay (laughs) let's just go ahead and, and put it out there and they were both naked and they were not ashamed so they were engaging in sex freely without any inhibition um by either one 
you know and it was just that's just what it was of course now sex was affected by the fall of man um but it is still something that should be celebrated and protected and we see that um evidence throughout the bible we see that god encourages it he encourages it in genesis chapter 1 verse 28 it says and god blessed them adam and eve and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth okay so they can't be fruitful and multiply i mean (laughs) part of that let me just say part of being fruitful and multiply is having sex and procreating right having children and so it's a means of procreation sex is a means of procreation god created relationships and sex because he wants to grow our families and produce more people who reflect his image and so he encourages that because that's what he wants now we all know that it's not um sex is not just for procreation but you know this is definitely something that the lord encourages and um again you know intertwining of the body soul and spirit that comes from that physical intimacy that comes well comes from intimacy um that becoming of one flesh he encourages that that's what he wants and that's um what he demonstrates in his word right and then okay so now these next few verses they just show that um it's a good thing and they it goes into even more detail like it gets steamy in the bible okay for those who think the bible is boring y'all not reading it (laughs) because there are different the different parts that will uh make your eyes pop wide open (laughs) um and so these next verses uh passages show us that sex is a means of pleasure and enjoyment and god that's how god would have it okay so um i'm gonna read a little bit of it just to let you know what's in here and then you go ahead and and continue reading and you know just know that it's a means of pleasure and enjoyment and so we're gonna start with songs of songs or songs of solomon and i'm just gonna read one part of it and that's chapter 7 verses 7 to 10 okay so um if you know anything about songs of solomon there's parts uh it's like a, a play and you have a part where it's just the man is 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 saying singing or saying his lines and then you have the woman and then there's a chorus of ladies and so um I'm just saying that to say I'm going to let you know you know at, from seven to nine it's he the man is talking and then part of nine through ten she is what they how they refer to and that's the woman she's talking okay so he your stature is like a palm tree and your breasts are like its clusters i say i will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its fruit oh may your breasts be like clusters of the vine and the scent of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine and she says it goes down smoothly for my beloved gliding over lips and teeth I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. Okay? So it's all pleasure and enjoyment going on right here between this man and this woman. And then we have in Proverbs 5, 15 to 19. Now, um, here we have in Proverbs, you know, it's the book of wisdom. And we have, you know, like a father giving wisdom, um, advice, advice wisely counseled to his 
wise counsel to his son. Okay? So Proverbs 5, 15 to 19 reads, Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Okay? So sex between a husband and wife is never a cause for shame. Right? There's no shame here. It should be honored. It should be cherished. It should be enjoyed as the gift, um, the good gift that it is. And God should just get all the glory. So it's it's a means of pleasure and enjoyment. And it can be purely that um, for husband and wife. And we have scripture that shows clearly. Right? Um Sex is also a means of protection from sexual immorality and other temptations. Now, there is a lot, there are a lot of scriptures that go, that discuss sexual immorality, and God has no tolerance for sexual immorality. And we see that, um, we see that, we see that in, in a few scriptures, and we'll talk about a couple of them. And yeah, so Hebrews 13 verse 4 says let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous so that tells us that within a marriage partners are meant to be faithful to God and each other faithful to God first like you answer to God God will judge the sexual immoral and adulterous it's not the emphasis is not on the the husband or the wife that is victim to the sexual immoral or the adulterous, right? It's God. God is the one that will judge. So we are meant to be faithful to God first and foremost, and then, of course, to each other. And then we see 1 Corinthians 7, 1 to 5. It says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote. Okay, backs, backtrack. This is Paul talking to the church of, church of Corinth. The church of Corinth collectively wrote to Paul and had some questions. And so he's, he's addressing them. Okay. So it says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, so there's a lot going on in this passage, and let's break it down. For one, um, sex is a means of serving one's spouse. You may not have thought about that before, but it's serving one another, right? Recognizing that your body doesn't belong to you, but to your spouse, and vice versa, okay? Too often, sadly, 
this passage has been used to usurp power over a spouse and that's not what it's intended to do because if they read the whole thing it's equally um you know it's an equal exchange of you know the wife's body is for the husband and the husband's body is for the wife you can't just take one piece but it's together right and so it's an act of servitude giving of oneself to your trusted spouse um, when you are choosing to engage in sex and then the idea of conjugal rights like (laughs) each person has conjugal rights to the other um like and that should be noted and held in regard um there's a need to be generous and reciprocal in the marriage bread bread in the marriage bed like it's so important that again with that that attitude of servitude that there is a generosity and a reciprocity going on that there's a give and take there is a give and take that should happen in the marriage bed and um you know just just some little history like this idea that Paul is 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 addressing um or bringing out through the um the guidance of the Holy Spirit is was was unheard of at that time right because women were still looked at as property and so husbands you know had the rights but the fact that 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 Paul is saying that women have conjugal rights as well over their husbands was was very against the norm of the culture of that day okay so that that should just tell you um or remind you that God does not adhere to the culture of the day because culture changes but the word of God the truth remains right and so this was God's intention from the beginning of time that there would be a um a love and respect that there would be a reciprocity that there would be um, a, a servitude that occurred between husband and wife and um, yeah so let's let's we do well to hold on to those truths that sex within a marriage should be free generous and reciprocal okay that's something to keep in mind the other thing is that it says, do not deprive one another, right? And so, again, just be that that attitude of submission on both parts, of just being willing to give of yourself to your spouse uh, regularly. And that's something that you and your spouse will decide upon. But, you know, from that place of servitude, from that place of servitude and not selfishness, Um but again, you know, don't take this and manipulate it. It's, this is not to be taken advantage of. Um, don't manipulate what was meant for good. Uh, but remember, you know, that, that idea of servitude. Okay. So as I said earlier, you know, sex is a means of protection from sexual immorality and other temptations. And we see that um, in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5, right? where it says to um, come together. Don't deprive one another, but come together so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So there is a recognition that there, 
can be a lack of self-control. I mean, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So um, the devil has no problems yet again to um, wiggle his way in and use opportunity, right? And so, so Paul is saying, don't provide the opportunity by depriving yourselves for whatever it is except perhaps by agreement for a limited time so be in agreement that involves communication be in agreement and make sure it is a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer so it's intentional and it's time necessary for prayer for fasting for intimacy with the lord but then come together again right and so um you know, it tells us that not having sex regularly, consistently, intentionally opens up the door for other temptations, right? Like a wandering eye or a lustful heart. And, you know, it, it points back to Proverbs 5.15 that I read earlier about drinking water from your own cistern, right? Flowing water from your own well. And the idea is that if you are... Um, drinking deeply from your own cistern, you'll be less tempted to draw from your neighbor's well. All right. <laughs> so it it sex acts as a um, safeguard from wandering eyes or a lustful heart. And obviously, self control is important regardless. But don't make it more of a a challenge by uh, choosing to withhold. Um, without there being a mutual agreement for a limited time, okay? All right, so um, let me read one more scripture, one more passage talking about sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 1 to 8, excuse me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 8 says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Man, this, this passage is so rich. But I just love the focus on it being about God. Like, you have to answer to the Lord. And not just abstaining from sexual immorality, but being able to, again, have self-control, um, live in holiness and honor. And I think that's so important when we're talking about sex and marriage, that there's a holiness and that there is an honor, even in you know, enjoying sex for pleasure and enjoyment, enjoying sex for procreation, um, uh, recognizing and utilizing your conjugal rights. At, at the end of the day, 
make sure that it's in holiness and honor and it glorifies God, right? And that, that first and foremost, starts with your heart, you know, because your wife or your your husband may not know your true intentions, but God knows. God sees your heart and God knows your attitude and your posture when you are engaging in sexual um, sexual intercourse with your spouse. And so, yeah, it's like verse 8 that says, therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards everything that the Lord is calling you to, disregards not man, but God who gives the holy his holy spirit to you um and so just to bring it all together right sex is god's idea it's his creation he gets all the credit i don't care what the world has to say okay the world has twisted it satan the ruler of this world right the ruler of the air in this world like he has taken it and gone to town with it, twisted it, and um, just tried to move us so far away from the truth of it all. But God is the one who has created sex, and he created it, and he thought it was very good. (laughs) He created it for procreation, for our enjoyment and pleasure within the confines that he has created for our good, for our good. Um, and he has created it to prevent sexual immorality and temptation. And so um, when we choose to follow God and his guidelines and we do it right, we get to enjoy it to the fullest, right? And also remembering that it's a gift. And Pastor, Pastor Paul Carter Um, from the Bible Coalition that I had uh, referenced earlier, he says another thing. He says, the Bible says that marriage is good, sex is good, singleness is good, and celibacy is good. They are all precious gifts given according to the wisdom and timing of the Lord for his glory and our everlasting good. All right? So married, it's good. You can have sex within marriage, and that's good. Okay, singleness is good, and we've spoken about that before. And celibacy is also good. Um, they're all gifts that are given to different people in different seasons according to the wisdom and timing of the Lord, and it's for His glory and for our everlasting good, right? And so, sex doesn't make you human doesn't it's not what makes you truly human like we are human we are human beings because we were created in the image and the likeness of god that's period right so before you have sex right before you have anything you have value and significance before god because you are an image bearer all right you are a ruling creature under God and over everything else. So you are not determined by um, your sexual activity. I am not determined by my sexual activity. Okay. So even though it is natural for human beings, it's not necessary. A person can live a full, blessed, rich, useful, meaning life God glorifying life without ever having sex with anyone. And so 
I say that to say that sex is good, but it's not ultimate, right? And so you have to resist the temptation to idolize it, to put it on a pedestal, to make it the end all be all, okay? Keep it in its rightful place with anything and everything that God has created. We ought to keep it in its rightful place so that we do not fall into the temptation of idolizing, um, fall into the temptation of distorting it whatsoever. Keep it in its rightful place by knowing God's plan for it, God's definition of it, what God has to say about it, equipping ourselves, recognizing how contrary the culture um, is to what God has to say. Stay in the standard, right? That standard that has been set, stay there. Um, And so I encourage you, you know, how you respond, recognizing that God is authority. Check your own beliefs about sex and make sure they align with God's word. Right. If you are um, a husband or a wife, make sure that um, when it comes to sex, that you're leading with love and respect and you're serving one another. Understand that intimacy begins way before the act. Remember all the different types of intimacy we spoke about. And physical intimacy is not just sex. And so it's important to to. Be intimate with your spouse outside of sex, outside of the bed. Um, It's important to communicate prior to, during, and after engaging in sex with your spouse. Be intentional. And again, keep it in its proper place. And, you know, use it for what God has intended it for. Nothing more, nothing less. And so that is what I have for you all today. I pray that the Lord will continue to guide us in all wisdom and in truth regarding um, sex, regarding intimacy, that we would be able to glorify God um, as husbands and wives, that we would be able to glorify God. I pray for those who are single that would really grow continue to grow in grace and knowledge and in the truth of um, where sex is, lies, its boundaries, and um, what it means as, as a single man or a single woman, um, and be able to hold fast, be able to live lives holy and set apart and not fall into the temptations of, of this world. I pray um, for those just in different seasons, Lord, that that you would just equip us all to bring you glory. That's what we want to do, bring you glory wherever you have us in our seasons and different timings, that your name is just glorified. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, y'all. Love ya. Bye.